Hello, friends. Here we are, episode one hundred, and what a good one it is. Um, thank you so much to all of you who've supported over the last few years, who've been there, who've listened to the episodes, who've shared it with your friends, and and just generally supported me um, on this podcasting journey I've been taking. Um, yeah, couldn't have done it without you, um, and I hope that you're all still here for episode two hundred, episode three hundred, and and so on. Um, yeah, it's been a great journey. As I said in the intro to last week's episode, um, this year for me is is all about this podcast. I want to really try and try and smash it, um, and try and try and see how how much I can grow it. And 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 yeah, this this is my passion. This is what I really love doing. So I want to try and spend more time doing it and grow it into the point where it's the only thing I need to do, which would be lovely. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to you guys for for being here for listening. Um, yeah, I'm repeating myself now. But on to the episode. Uh, ben Williams, he is an ex-Royal Marine commando, he is an author, uh, and he is the founder of a company called Lupin, which is an AI tool designed to help with workplace burnout. Uh, burnout is something that we are all far too familiar with um, over the, the last few years, as as Ben described, you know, they call it a black swan event, uh, you know, something really bad happening in the world, and usually there's about one every five years, and I think in the last three years we've had about six, seven uh, what with the pandemic, war in Ukraine, cost of living crisis now, um, life is becoming very, very stressful, and it has been for a while, and we're now starting to see an awful lot of people just chronically stressed and, and burnt out. Um, and Ben's mission with this company that he's started is to, to really try and help people, especially in the workplace, um, not get burnt out. Um, those of you familiar with my story will know, you know... I mean, I call mine perhaps a bit worse than burnout, but I essentially had like a mental breakdown, but I was very burnt out with my job and that's what led me to sort of quit my job and completely rearrange the whole way I live my life. And, and, and then I started this podcast and, you know, was very open about my mental health and things. But um, so it, what he's doing resonated with me with me a lot and I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of you as well. Um, I was very nervous about this podcast. Um, Ben's, a bit, Ben's quite a big deal. Uh, ben has been on the Diary of a CEO uh, Stephen Bartlett's podcast, which is the biggest podcast in the UK, one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, so for him to do that and then and then come on my podcast felt quite funny. Um, but you know, we kind of talked about it and we had a bit of a laugh about it on 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 air towards the end of the episode. We talked about it and, and it was really interesting actually. Um, you know, the the experience he's had and um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's quite funny. The the degree of separation is getting smaller to where I want to be, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I was very nervous about this, but Ben put me at ease and I said to him after we finished recording, I was, I was having a bit of a low day uh, when we re- when we recorded it, but after I'd finished the conversation with him, I felt I felt great. Um, so, I mean, if I can do that, having done the conversation, hopefully you guys can listen to it and, and get something out of it as well. Um, we discussed his history as a Royal Marine Commando, um, prolonged stress versus acute stress and, and why his stress in the military being shot at in Afghanistan is so different to just the daily stress that, that we have in civilian life. Um, how to manage burnout, some tips, uh, whether it's note taking, um, you know, getting out for a walk, getting out in nature, um, putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I call it one game at a time. He calls it one foot in front of the other. Uh, we talked about ego uh, versus confidence and why it's such a fine line. The power of humility. We really got into it. It's yeah. I say this all the time, but it's one of my favourite episodes that I've done. Perhaps it just caught me at a moment where I was feeling quite low, and then we recorded it, and it made me feel good. But I mean, in a really bad way. I hope hope if if you are feeling low, I hope this episode finds you because um, it made uh, 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 it has it's had a big impact on me. Um, anyway, on with the episode. Enough of my waffle. 
Um, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to this on, please do subscribe or you know follow me on Spotify, leave a rating, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating as well. Um, it takes two seconds. And if you're not subscribed, doing that just makes a, a massive difference for me. Um, it really helps. Uh, so I'll thank you in advance for doing that. And yeah, on with the episode. Do please enjoy my conversation with Ben Williams. Ben Williams, hello. Thank you very much for being here. Sandy, how are you? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Just before we hit record there, we were talking about phone games and how halfway through the podcast, you're going to rush off to the toilet and sit and play Candy Crush. But as I said, I, I couldn't I couldn't pick out uh, I couldn't pick out Candy Crush if I tried from a, a, li- a line of games. Um, yeah. I can't believe that. I'm shocked by that. Also, why um, I have a secret. Uh, well, I have a secret game, which is extremely nerdy, where uh, I, I went to a kid's birthday party the other week with with obviously my children, I just didn't turn up to a random one unannounced. And um, one of the dads of the mums was there, who we know quite well. So quite an older bloke, science teacher. He's like, oh, we're chatting. And he's like, oh, Ben, you should look at this game. It's, it's really good. And he showed me it. And I was like, that looks literally like the most boring thing I've ever seen. And it was, it's, it's 2D. It's not even 3D on your phone. It's 2D of getting a rocket from earth to the moon and you have to apply like the mathematic principles and all that stuff i was oh like that's God. not my type of game it's too heavy and then i downloaded it and i've been stuck on it ever since just oh, excited and, like nerding out getting from earth to the moon i've got to the moon and now i'm planning my trip to mars but um yeah that's that's what keeps me busy <laughs> oh nice well be- best of luck with your trip to mars that that game sounds like a nightmare i'm not a i'm not a maths person um at all yeah do you we just lost the hundreds of hundreds of listeners within that first five minutes yeah that's it everyone's everyone's gone <laughs> bye everyone yeah yeah well if, if you're still here thank you um do you do you find i mean in, interesting tangent but one one i suppose i'm quite interested to go down because you know i said the whole the whole theme of this conversation is is going to be about you know kind of work and, and stress and things like that mm. do you do you find um yourself are you a, are you a bit of a procrastinator you know if you're sat trying to work do you find yourself you know draw, getting drawn to your phone and sitting on whether it's a game or kind of doom scrolling social media or oh have, yeah have you got have you got things in place to stop yourself doing that yeah uh, so i de- yeah definitely do I, I do you know what? i heard someone talking about this the other day and they um it was the founder on a podcast and he was talking about his yeah adhd and um how adhd is so much more common in all of us and he was talking about all these symptoms around you could be working and all of a sudden you'd flick the screen and look at something or you just jump on your phone quickly and then you come back to your work. And I was like, oh shit, I do that a lot. Um, And I noticed it quite a lot last year. And so I did, I deleted a few apps, you know, I came off one or two socials. I kept LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn's the only one on my phone. Um, I'm I'm more of a screen slider. So my phone's less of a distraction, but I find it quite easy to just slide across on my Mac be on something and then slide back to something else so i actually find the worst bit is moving from piece of work to piece of work so as much as i'm in the tech industry and then all this tech available i still stick to post-it notes nice. and i still try and do the hardest one on the post-it note first and then work down the list so yes and no i suppose but i'm definitely aware of how much more my attention span is just dwindling when i'm focusing on stuff 
do you think you taking a bit more of a sort of an analog approach, you know, writing the post-its and working your way down? Do you do you attribute kind of doing that to your your sort of time in the military and being a bit more sort of perhaps I, I don't know, garnering a bit more of a pragmatic approach to things. I, I mean, I'm speaking of someone who's never been in the military, but I've, I've had a couple of um, kind of mates I know that, that were in the Marines and stuff. They've been on the podcast and, and having chatted to them. Mm. And even just in pop culture, you see that it's all they're always kind of come at it from a very pragmatic sensibility. Um, do you think has that yeah. carried, has that definitely carried over into your your kind of the, the way you operate? Yeah, definitely. Like the, um, you know, you'd never go anywhere in the Marines without a notepad and pen and you'd always have a spare pen with you as well. And I, that's always stuck with me. I, I know lots of people would write notes down on their phone or on their laptop or in, you know, quite funky electrical pads. My business partner's got this um, writing pad that's digital and I'm still there. I'm like notepad in fact a Royal Marines notepad of all notepads and nice. quite happy just jotting down my thoughts and it's thoughts or it's to-do lists or tasks and I love that whole feeling of you know I'd put two lines through one of my post-it notes now as we're coming on and it's just get that tiny little hit of dopamine to be like yeah I've actually achieved something and you can actually see it there on my desk they're everywhere which is quite untidy for a military guy but it's also like pragmatic sense of in, in the military, you're taught to go on patrols by checkpoint by checkpoint. And, you know, you go through processes of doing things. And um, I think that stuck with me of, of how I sort of operate and try to go from checkpoint to checkpoint as opposed to just from the start to the end destination as quick as I can. And I think that that can be found throughout quite a lot of my work. Yeah, that's that. It's really interesting. I. I started, I mean, I'm, I'm very guilty. I'm, I use the notes app for everything. I've got it open on the side of my mm. screen right now with all the notes for this podcast. I use it on my phone all the time, but it was only kind of six months ago. I started, I used to have a weekly checklist and then I went, mm. I'm, I'm going to have a daily checklist now. And I wrote kind of everything I'm going to do, even, even little things like, um, I, I, in the last year I started training a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I write down, go to jiu-jitsu on it. Cause whilst it's something yeah. I enjoy, it's still cool when I get home and I'm knackered and sweaty. I go, oh, cool, tick. And like you said, you get that little yeah. hit of dopamine, and it's it, it's a really nice thing um, to kind of yeah to, to have in your in your day. Um, and yeah, it was. I think yeah. Matthew McConaughey said in in his book Green Lights. You know, he's talking about journaling, and he was like, write down the good stuff as well. You know, it's very easy to look back. Oh, what poor shit time I was having. What shit time? But actually, look back. And I kind of taken that attitude with with my sort of daily notes. Um, but I must admit, there is. There is something satisfying about you know pen pen to paper, even though my handwriting's awful. But um, yeah, maybe I, should... I I got um I got a uh, you know very fortunate. I only spoke about it offline, but when I met um Stephen Bartlett on his podcast, he sent me a book afterwards. I'm looking for it now, which is ridiculous because I should know where it is. Oh, there it is. Um, the Diary of a CEO blank book. Yeah. beautiful sort of gold leaf pages and just a really nice book, and it was blank for ages. Because I was always a bit like, oh, what do I, what do I even write in there? And um, I just started actually writing down nice things people say to me, That's because cool. it's very easy to listen to, you know, the shit people talk about. You could listen to all the criticism about the product we're building, objections, you know, the difficulty in building a business, pe things people would say to you, all these different things. And I just start taking, I just took to almost having my own book of ego where. <laughs> I could go back and reflect on, you know, the nice things people have said about me and I've recorded it. And 
I've started to talk a lot of what we do we offer services as well so we speak to businesses we offer mentoring alongside the product that we're building at Lupin and little things like that getting people to just in their working day write down nice things people have said because it's so easy for my managers and asshole and um, I don't get on with the, the team I work with but we miss actually probably quite a lot of the nice stuff that's said between us and you know from family to friends to professional people that we work with just jotting that down is really good for our mental health it's good to remind ourselves of you know how awesome we all are and I think well that's the one of the biggest things I try to write down quite a lot there's not much in there <laughs> that's all right but, no, no, but there's one or two <laughs> that's that's a really that's a really cool thing to do because there is you know it's called um it's called negativity confirmation bias isn't it so you yeah. know say you scroll through you scroll through the comment section and there's you know, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of nice ones talking about how great you are, and then there's one person that's like, "Well, I thought it was shit," and you yeah. you just zone in on that one, and you forget about everything else, and you just take this one person who's a you know probably a complete hater, and you know what does David Goggins say? No one above you ever is ever a hater or something like that. Mm. You know? So um, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a that's a brilliant kind of practice to to start. Maybe I'll I'll start trying to do that. Yeah, because it does very easy, isn't it? Yeah, and it it does give you that the warm and fuzzy, you know. Especially if we're on the topic of mental health, you know, it does it does sort of start bringing your bringing your, topping your levels back up a little bit. Um, yeah. And no one sees it either, you know. That's why I call it my book of ego because no one sees it. I don't go around showing it off. And yeah, what yeah. this person said, it's not on social. It's not a comment. You know, there's lots of practices where you can look in the mirror and practice, you know, um, self appreciation and stuff. And actually having a few pages where you can go back through and look at the nice things people have said about you with just you. It's just an awesome thing to do. And yeah, when you hit low times or not feeling great, what a great reminder to remind yourself how good you are by what others have said. Yeah, absolutely. Clip that. There it is. There's my Instagram clip. Thank you very much. Um, so Ben, you, you mentioned there, and one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast, um, fellow podcast alumni, Dan, all this, who's been on the podcast before told me to, um, to chat to you about all, all the work you're doing with your, you said you work in tech now, this company Lupin, all about um, kind of work burnout and, and things like that. Um, to put it into perspective, mm. a lot a lot of my regular listeners will know, but obviously this is the first time we've met. Um, I, I quit my job uh, end of 2019. It was actually, I was still working in, in the water sports industry, which is what I did for 10 years, basically. Um, yeah. despite, despite it sounding like a lovely industry, I just, I, I, I got to the point where essentially I had like a mental breakdown. Um, and I attribute mm. some of that to just being burnt out and things. So um, this is quite a personal topic for me. Um, but can you go? Can you kind of go go into a little bit about um, what it what it is you're doing and, and what it is you're trying to achieve? Yeah, sure. Um, when I left the military, I actually wrote a post about this the other day, where I think Dan, who you're talking about, uh, spotted me um, about never suffering burnout in the military. And then when I left the military, spot you know suffering from it several times, two of which ended up in hospital. Wow. Um, and being it, put my thing, trying to put my finger on it and understand. Hang on, spent ten years working in some of the most hostile environments in the world, been physically exhausted beyond belief, hungry, um, driven to sort of desperation and survival many a times, and then never burn out. You know, there's, there's obviously mental health things that happen in the military, and the, those can't be hidden from. But the idea of burnout, where you are just so fatigued you can't carry on. And not to the point of physical exhaustion, but, you know, days, weeks, months on end where you are just not who you were, just never existed. I never saw it, never saw it with my colleagues. 
And it's easy when you're in the green suit to be saying, well, we're machines. We're trained to be like this. This is our mindset, both mentally and physically. Uh, and you have that machine-like attitude. And then when you come out and you begin to feel it very differently and suffer, and so you're sort of plugged into an ESG at a hospital and from blood tests with heart palpitations, your blood pressure's through the roof. You're sat there going, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, how's this happening? And you, I remember sitting there thinking, I thought I was like a machine, like almost feeling like a broken boy all of a sudden. Like mm. I was a machine. I thought this, I'm not, I was trained to be different. Yeah. And it takes years to get through that. That's years ago. And that became the kind of genesis for what is looping now, where how do you better connect people in the workplace? So you understand how one another are feeling on a, on a, almost on an emotional level so that you can support one another and you can praise one another at the right times. You understand where people are going through stressful periods and they're going through great periods. They're motivated, they're focused and helping managers understand that as well. So ultimately what we went out to create was, you know, an AI tool that we use service, uh, holistic service as well, our own mentoring to really help companies understand themselves better and connect and begin to spot risks in burnout, engagement, performance and retention and mm. if we can better help companies foresight this within teams you can have an impact immediately and people like you won't hit the wall and quit or less people like you will hit the wall and quit and you know for a business that's ROI that's headcount that's revenue it's profit and then for the employee it's you know that's their livelihood it's them as a person it's their sanity and everything that comes with it and we're really trying to make a mark on that with what we're building within our technology and our offering that, you know, fostering that connection that like we had in the Marines. That's the mm. thing I miss most. And I know when I left, that was the one big thing. I was like, shit, I haven't got people to turn to now to moan or cry or fall out with or laugh with. I've, I've got far less. And unfortunately that's quite common in the civilian mm. world. So yeah, our ambition is to change that and fix that, connect people better, and then also help arm the company with the knowledge that it needs to support its people better. Yeah, I love. I, I think I might have read um, one of the, the the posts you referred to, and one of the big things that that really I, I took away from it was when you were talking about your time in the military versus you know civilian life and and why the why perhaps there was more burnout and you know mental stress and fatigue. And I really like what you said about. Um, stress and how you have kind of prolonged and acute stress so mm. perhaps when you're um you know in in the military and again please speak to this if i'm if i'm butchering it but you know you're in the military and you're on you're out on o operation for x amount of time and for that time also i think there's a level of expectation in stress as well of like realistically you know you're going into the suck for a few days or a week or so mm. whatever you kind of know so you can sort of mentally prepare yourself for it but then flip side of that you're you're in civilian life and you're you're doing what's meant you're you're just essentially living your life you know you're, you're mm. going to work and then you're spending your weekends with your friends or your family and then you're going back to work for the week and and and, and you're just living as you know a lot of us do and but, but you're like why am i just this little perhaps it's slightly less stress but just for a way longer time and it just slowly kind of wears you wears you down essentially um yeah would, would would you attribute um that to being the reason for for a lot of these things as well or can you can you go into that well, a little bit more? yeah i had um last summer when we were doing an investment raise which was if if anyone wants to know what stress is like try and go and raise investment for a company that doesn't have any revenue 
at that time and as in the market starting to tumble um and i sat with uh quite a well-known bc in london and we were talking about founder and ceo mental health and what it looks like and he said oh you must be breezing through this journey with the experiences you have and, and i challenged it and said no that's but far from this is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And, wow. and he tried to call bullshit on me. He was like, nah, bullshit. Commando training, Afghanistan. Like, yeah, but you think about it, dress it back. The, the, what you do in the military is exactly what you described there. It's acute, you know, the acute stress is, it can be ferocious combat, but it's going to end. It, it, it ends two ways. <laughs> it ends in you're not here anymore. Or it ends in your back at the base. It's just that simple. Um, but it will end. And also within that, it's something I talked about in that post is the operational cycle. You know, you're, you know, you're going away for six to seven, maybe eight months. You know, you're going to get two weeks break during that period for R and R, you know, you'll get a visit, you know, somewhere like Camp Bastion, you'll come back from the front line for a couple of days and you know, the ops are going to end. Um, you don't get that in the civilian world. You get quarter to quarter, bill to bill. And the stress is so much more, prolonged and in your face all the time and then when you put into what's happening in the state of the world now you know mm. people aren't going well lots of people go to the office but more people aren't going to the office so they're sat at home they start their day they finish their day they're still in the same environment and then they're still surrounded by the same news of the cost of living and everything else that's happening in the world that's that's challenging for us right now and there's no escapism the stress is continuous. We go month to month, you know, is this the last paycheck I'm going to get before I get laid off? And all these other things with, with what's happening. And there's no escape. And you, what you said there is really, something that's kind of just dawned on me that I haven't really given much thought to is this acceptance piece that in the military, again, you accept you're going to go on 32 weeks Royal Marines mm -hmm. training. You accept you're going to deploy to Afghanistan. And I remember my troop sergeant, I think he must have coined it from Band of Brothers because I've heard it since. But uh, it was the first time I heard it when he said it. He said, uh, the moment you accept you're dead, the, the job gets easier. Uh, um, and it's a very morbid, callous way of looking at it. But actually what it does is enables you to accept what is the worst thing that could happen here. Yeah. Okay, that's the worst thing. All right, now I can think with a bit more clarity and I also know when it's all going to end. And you just don't get that in the civilian world. And, no. and what we're seeing at the moment, the state, the economy and uh, way businesses are and lots of layoffs is, is people cannot see the wood through the trees. And so the stress is just surrounding us. We, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of caught in it at the moment. And no wonder why so many people are burning out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it to me, as you know, it very much feels like out of the frying pan and into the fire you know we've just finished covid and that that stressed so many people for, for different ways you know that was a yeah. lot more that was a lot more sort of still that sort of stress and anxiety about the state of the world but a lot more perhaps isolation which i guess you said you know it is carrying on given that people are staying at home but they've got a bit more of an option now but something i was really thinking about is at least in covid and you were worried about i, I you know isolation perhaps you're getting a bit lonely and things but at least you knew you weren't missing out because nobody else was doing anything. Whereas yeah. now with this cost of living and things, there's a bit more of a divide of some people, you know, and even within people's friendship groups, some people are still going to be, oh yeah, well, we're, we're still going away this summer. We're still going to Ibiza in the spring. We're still going to do mm. this. And there will be certain people that go, I can't, you know? So mm. it, it, I guess that, that will also be added on to this, 
you know, they're already feel like they're working their asses off and then they can't, they're, they're not able to go and actually enjoy themselves because of, yeah. because of what's happening. It was something, something that just, yeah, came, came to me the, the other day. Well, for, for a lot of people, they feel like they're not being able to take a breath. You know, uh, I went to a, an event a few weeks ago and someone was saying around, um, black swan events every five years we hit a black swan event being an anomaly in like the economy or a war or a crisis and you know on paper we've hit seven or eight in the last three years that's quite a ridiculous number for us all to experience and i again it's something i talk a lot about quite passionately like looking at the military um and and those listening i can't drench too much in the military but there's great learnings we can take from it is when trauma is experienced and again that's like war you know when you go through trauma you don't really feel the effects of it till a year two three four five years down the line and if there's good support systems in place that it's easier to deal with and if you look at history world war ii yeah it's a write-off but you look more towards the falklands those mental health problems didn't start coming out for about 30 years there was nothing in place to support those people mm. um and those veterans and uh, the Gulf War was the same. And then as Iraq and Afghanistan started kicking off, as we went through the cycles of the war, there was more to learn and there was more support available. And, you know, although we had the suicides and the mental health issues um, and the hidden injuries, it, we were still able to take more care of our troops. And and so the reason I say that is with, with trauma, it's like this bowel wave. You, you do this huge event, it's life changing, but you don't realize how much it's changed your life until a year or two afterwards. Which, mm. You know, I personally couldn't <laughs> account for that. And it's the same with Luke. Um, wrong plug. It's the same <laughs> with COVID. It's we've all gone through quite a really challenging period of time in our lives. And some people are shrugging it off. You know, that's what happens in adversity. People are like, this, this is nothing. And other people are suffering like they've never suffered in their lives. And then it's shaken the economy. And we've not been able to gain our breath from coming out of the pandemic before we've gone into the Ukrainian crisis, the fuel crisis and everything that that's linked to that. And then financial problems. And everyone's just like, wow, what the fuck? I can't actually believe that we're going into something else um, that is equally as difficult to deal with as, as what COVID was. And because of that, you're going to get this massive tidal wave of, people dealing with the trauma that they've been through and now what they're going through now and with that's going to come a lot of people which are, are going to need to take a knee and take a breath and it's going to impact families it's going to impact friendships businesses and everything it's not to sound doom and gloom whatsoever it's we can do a lot to be aware of this yeah. and realize that covid for us the impact of covid is only just beginning and how it will affect us mentally yeah uh, and and that's a bit we've got to be prepared for yeah, absolutely. I, 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 yeah, said it, said it to death on on previous episodes. But um, from personal experience as well, for me, like uh, awareness has been key. Um, and it's been a, it's been a, awareness is also a journey, and people need to realize that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the big things that why I was struggling so much is because I went so long struggling. It sounds really odd to say struggling without being aware that I was necessarily struggling. I, I just became yeah. a, became a bit of a drifter essentially. I was just sort of floating through the halls like a ghost you know like a shadow yeah. a complete shadow of my former self and it wasn't until it got so bad to the point where i'm like i, I don't think i want to be here anymore kind of thing and then suddenly mm. something in my head went oh, something's very wrong here you know and and then mm. 
then I'm then I managed to kind of seek help and and you know proud to say I'm doing much better now. But and and now because of that awareness, I've been able to put um kind of put steps in and 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 manage my life in a certain way where you know I say all the time what was once a bad week it was became a bad day and now is a bad morning or a bad afternoon you know yeah and and it, because i put steps in it, i've got this awareness you know the minute i wake up and i sit up and i'm like well oh, you know something up here is not right today sandy doesn't feel good today so i'm like cool what steps can i take and and that goes to what what you said you know at the start with your you're making a list on your notes is is breaking it down just to those little things and that's what I try and do. I, I say one game at a time. So it's essentially the same thing as what you say, but I say it differently. So yeah, I one game at a time, right? Let's get through the next hour. Let's, you know, and try and do something good and then kind of building from there. But mm. like you said, this tidal wave, I worry that the people aren't the amount of people that won't become aware until they're at breaking point. You know, yeah. rather than being aware as things slowly start to go. And then while they can still go, right, okay, something I need to do. You know, you, you know, yeah. we don't need however many thousands of people getting to the point where they're essentially suicidal before they start going, right, something's wrong, you know? Yeah, someone wrote on my LinkedIn about that the other day. It's amazing. We only make changes when you hit rock bottom. Um, and I think a lot of that is due, or my own opinion on that is due to acceptance. You know, you yeah. can, awareness is one part, but then you've got to have acceptance behind it as well to go, nothing's wrong. That's the other thing that happens. People go, there's something wrong or I need help. It's not that at all. It's something feels unusual for you. You feel different how you feel normally and you're not as positive as you might be before. And that might be one day. It could be two years, but nothing's wrong with you. We're human beings. We, we scar ourselves as mentally as we do physically. And I think there's such a, there's such a thing around people accepting that they, they have to make something new happening within their lives to make them feel a bit better about how they feel about themselves which is the most important thing isn't it it's it's yeah. not oh, i need to make the world feel better around me it's like i feel shit today how can i make myself feel good M mine's just going for a run on the trails you know just mm. i'll just plod along like a fat ex-marine now but i don't care it's just the air in my lungs and just be like oh, fuck all the problems today just i'll deal yeah. with it later or tomorrow I'll, I'll do some exercise and think i don't clear ahead and it's just accepting you know accept something's up and accept you need to do something about it yeah. and then it becomes more manageable yeah absolutely as I, said, I, I actually put put something up on on instagram yesterday of, you know yesterday i woke up or as people listening to this it won't be yesterday but um as i'm recording it is i i woke up and just some something was off straight away and i sort of sat down to start work and i was like can't be arsed with this, can't be arsed with anything, you know, all this. And I was like, right, cool. I'll, I'll send one email and then I'll like, I don't know, go and sit and watch a movie or something. But I sent one email and then I was like, oh, I'll just send another one. And I did that. And then, and then I work in marketing. So then I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll just go do a bit of writing. So I went and did that. And then I was like, oh, I'll do this. And before I knew it, I've been sat there for three or four hours and I'd done a load of work. And <laughs> then... I couldn't be bothered to go to um, jujitsu class. It's like a 15 minute walk from the house. And I went, it was a sunny day. So I'm like, right, I'll just, I'll just put my stuff in and I'll walk. It's a walk along the seafront as well. So it's nice. So I'll, like, I'll walk, I'll listen to my book. And if I don't go to jujitsu, I've been for a little walk and I'll walk home. I'll go to shop and I'll walk home. And then mm -hmm. I walked and then I got there and was like, well, I'm here now. I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at the door. So I went in 
And then I, I just went through my day yesterday like that. And I got to the end of the day and I was like, shit, good day. You know, yeah. it, it was it's a funny like it was like a middle ground between sort of autopilot and me just being like ah oh, just one more one more thing one more thing one more thing yeah and yeah i i i had a a guest on um i i i spent a lot of time in the the world of windsurfing and i had a, a pro windsurfer called timo mullen on who's also a very successful businessman and he said something really wise to me um and and one way that he stops himself getting burnt out or stressed or feeling like he's missing out is he just tries to just go all in on every on whatever he's doing at that moment. He's like, if I'm if I'm going windsurfing for the day, my phone's off. Um, that's what I'm doing. If I'm working, my phone is right there, but I'm not looking at forecasts or you know, I, oh, I wish I was out with my mates or anything. He's like, I'm I'm working, and it's not a. I don't think it was a. He just wants to get it over and done with so that he can go. I think it was just he has this mindset of like, I'll just go, you know, all in. I wonder if I wonder if you have something similar from um, from the military. That seems it seems like something that, that they they may kind of get you to do. I don't know. Well, maybe you can. Yeah, I, it's the classic one foot in front of the other. You know, um, there's many physical tests that you do in the military where that is actually an actual thing where you just need to keep <laughs> putting one foot in front of the other. And there's they they become quite the testing points. I think you know it's easy to do the sort of short burst stuff on the endurance courses and uh, the other tests that we do. But when it comes to like the thirty miler, um, which is the final Royal Marines test across Dartmoor, that's that's a long old way in eight hours, and it's a long day. And the moment you step off, it's literally like ah. Right. Okay. And everyone hits their wall. At some point, you hit your wall. Whether that's mile one, you go, "Oh my god, I've got twenty nine miles left," or you hit mile twenty four. I think I hit twenty five, and I was like, "Fucking hell, there's still five miles left." And you just find a way to just kind of put one foot in front of the other. Where I learned that the real hard way, though, and began to practice it was on a as a recruit. You do one of your sort of like more senior exercises towards the end of training is. Uh, eight days on on brecon beacons just mm. uh, on an exercise called violent entry and it's a fatiguing exercise throughout the marines it's like as a recruit it's the one which carries the most sort of like oh my god i've got violent entry next and you do um what's the name of the the yomp you, you march in but you don't know the destination right. and you do it at night so they they set you off god we set off way early in the morning so the light was just coming up and we were still going to, well into sort of past midnight um no we started later and that was it we started just after lunch and then we were still going at midnight two three four o'clock in the morning and you don't they don't tell you where you're going you're carrying all your kit you know bergen that's easily 80 90 pounds if not more you've got your ammo you've got your webbing you're just a heavy slow tractor and it, you can't see anything. And I remember all you, all you could just see on the horizons is just like this darker spot, which would be the wood that you might be heading towards. And there's mm -hmm. like woodblock after woodblock. I remember I was near the front just because that was the order of the march. And cor the corporal was like, yeah, that's the one, lads. That's where we're going. And then you'd arrive at it. you kind of walking by it. And then he's like, all right, off we go to the next one. And it was just relentless like that. I was like, and I got to like the third wood block, which he was like, that's the one. Did it for every single one. It's been a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest. And, um, and then when I got to the third one, I was just like, well, I might as well stop counting the wood blocks and stop listening to him. 
and just concentrate on where I'm putting my feet. Mm. And that was it. It just turned into a plod. And we did two more wood blocks, but they didn't seem, they just kind of floated by by that point and <clears> got to the even, end of the evening. And yeah, you collapse in a pile of, in, in the harbour area and try and get some sleep. And then you're out patrolling. And it was only afterwards where you kind of, you reflect on that resilience to just accept that the pain's not going to end for some time yeah. and that you just make do with each foot in front of the other. And I, I find that's quite a, a good thing to apply to what we do as a business. You know, it's very easy to be like, oh, the money's running out or, oh, where's the revenue? And, oh, we could sell one day and be millionaires and everything else that comes with starting a business and actually just enjoy the journey, to be honest. It's it's hard. It's relentless. But my God, does it bring purpose? And I think that's what a lot of people miss is like your walk yesterday. The purpose isn't to get to jujitsu. The purpose you found was just hands in pockets, enjoying the fresh air, carrying your bag. And you might end up at jujitsu yeah. and you did. And then it became a new purpose. And then you walked home and, you you know, all of a sudden the reflection is, oh, it's quite nice, actually. You know, the purpose is what you're doing in that moment. And feeling satisfied and fulfilled by it and don't get me wrong I was not satisfied and fulfilled by <laughs> walking across the Brecon Beacons but it helped me apply that one foot in front of the other and just be in the presence like very mindfulness isn't it and um, I think that's something that people can do more of and do it better you know very fixated on where's the end where's the end you know how do I get to the end usually when you climb a mountain you you end up reflecting on the journey to the top and not the summit and yeah something that's easily applicable to our days yeah, absolutely. Um, and as well, you know, it's they they, they talk a lot about. Uh, sorry, I, I'm I'm obsessed with jujitsu at the moment, so I'm going to say that. So I'm going to I'm going to use that as a. <laughs> Once it gets you, it gets you, doesn't it? Dude, I'm 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 so into it. So, um, you know, a lot of the time they say, you know, all these guys, they it's the uh, for anyone listening, it's an average of ten years to to achieve your black belt. Most most people, it's yeah. about ten years. So, um. They and and every time you know these guys get their black belt, they're like, I was waiting for the, the fanfare and all this, and then they every single person or that I've seen you know talk about getting a black belt, they're like, now the work starts, you know they get their black belt mm-hmm. and now it starts, and I'm I'm sat here as a as a four stripe white belt, and I'm sat there and I'm like, why do I give a shit then if they, if if they've got to the point where they're a black belt and they're like, and now it begins, I'm like. Why am I stressed about? Oh, when am I going to get my blue belt? Because it doesn't matter. Mm. As long as I'm, as long as I go into class every day and leave feeling like I'm kind of happy with my own progress, and more importantly, did I enjoy it? Do I leave like with a bit of satisfaction? And I'm like, yeah, I had fun. But you know, if I feel like I'm getting better on my own little journey, then then why does it matter? You know, it was it, it's kind of stuck with me. I, I sometimes I worry that's making it's making me lazy with my training, but I don't think it is. I think it's no, just I a bit more it, mindful with it. Yeah. Also, you know, that really resonates because it's, it's taken me back. I remember when I passed out of training and um, you finally get your green beret and you've gone through all that hard work. To yeah. Get it, you know, so heavy investment to get that green beret and stand there and be like, whoa, I'm a Royal Marines commander. I remember texting my mum just saying, I'm a Royal Marines commander. You know, it's quite it's quite an empowering thing to do. Yeah. And um, and then, uh, yeah, the officer who took us through was like, guys, now the real work begins. And, mm. and what he didn't. And he explained it. He was like, what, I, what he didn't mean was you're off to war and you're going to do all these things and it's going to get harder. He was speaking about how you have to now uphold the values of the core and the ethos and what you stand for by having earned the Green Beret, you now need to retain the Green Beret. Mm. And that's harder than earning it. And that always stuck with me. It's very much what you said about jiu-jitsu. The reason 
you then achieve the black belt isn't to I'm a black belt in in jiu-jitsu it's now you need to epitomize what that black belt represents and that's harder than anything And, and that's I know that from the BJJ community of how much that is ingrained in the culture of you know if you're a higher belt you respect the lower belts but the lower belts respect you back and and it's how you build that and i i I do believe that i've never ever seen a sport personally like bjj where it's got that culture embedded within the community i think it's it's absolutely fascinating and i love that idea of once you get to the top then you start earning Mm. um and upholding it resonates deeply but i think that's part of high performance isn't it that's what i met in the marines is you're a high performer so once you start climbing the ranks of high performance more is expected of you yeah exactly the the your your own metric of success suddenly has to has to increase doesn't it yeah you know yeah um which which can be difficult and can lead to kind of more more stress but equally a bit more pride um yeah and I wonder, I wonder if, you know, while we're on there, have, have you found any of the stuff we've just been saying there? Have you found that sort of crossing over into what you're trying to do with Lupin? And, you know, you said you were chatting to kind of about, you know, mental health with CEOs and, and things like that. I know, you know, obviously there's a huge culture in in the military about leadership and things like that. Do you find yourself talking to um, sort of CEOs and, and things like that, talking to them about how to, uh, as well as talking to like employees about how to better manage themselves? Um, yeah. how, do you, how do you approach talking to like the, the leaders and about it all? Yeah. So um, I, I'm really fortunate. You know, some people say it's down to hard work and I sometimes believe it's luck. I've had an, an amazing amount of experiences where, you know, I, I can say I'm a Royal Marines commando. I've written for Penguin Business. Um, I've worked with Simon Sinek on his platform. I've been interviewed by Stephen Bartlett. You know, I run my own business. I've worked with England football. And, and I don't say that to say, oh, I've done all these things. It's what it's enabled me to do is build up a huge repository of high performance. And what does it look like here? What does it look like? There? I'm not industry specific. I've worked with England football and then I've worked with a bank and then I've been mm. in the military and then I've, I've written a book myself. That's high performance on its own. You've got to be disciplined yeah. to write it. And there's such a huge thing that I think the pendulum could shift in the wrong direction at the moment where well-being and mental health almost becomes a scapegoat for performance in a business. And I'm a big believer in that. I've had PTSD. I've been diagnosed with it. I've had my traumatic experiences and it wasn't nice. It was a very dark time to live through. Mm. But I sure as hell won't let it affect my fucking performance. And I won't ever use it as an excuse. I will use it as a blocker and understand I can't perform at my highest today because something's lodged. But I would make amends of that and try and work a way through. And I think one thing that I've noticed business owners and leaders be quite sceptical of, which I want to stop and help change this way of thinking is, oh, but what does mental health really do for our business? Because ultimately what we, all they care about um, which is right because I run a business is, you know, what's our head count? What's our profit and loss? What's the revenue at the moment mm. and how are we performing as a business? And that is absolutely right that a business leader thinks like that. But we have to get people to think in different ways to understand that well-being and mental health is, is, is looked at too holistically and too nicely as a nice to have. I spoke to a company the other week that I was trying to, you know, pitch loop into and they said, oh, we've completely got rid of our entire well-being budget. We're just using free apps. And I was like, well, that, that's 
let me challenge you that you know that that's not the right thing to do because it sends an appalling message to your people um that when it gets tough you're you're willing to draw the line through it but it also shows the stigma it still carries so our ambition at lupin is how do you create an environment through our product and our services that enables leaders of organizations to understand the risks at the moment you know this this team here is clearly not psychologically safe or you're going to have retention and performance issues there you have a very open team here and you can see how they are this one's really disengaged these are indicators to your business to show what might go wrong and what what might go right don't run away from that you know Mm -hmm. don't run away from that problem run towards it and go okay this manager here needs support they need training and building psychological safety in their teams because if you can have more emotionally connected people within your teams, you're going to have higher performance. Okay, this team over here is doing this and X, Y, Z and so on. And just helping companies spend their money better, be more aware of where they're headed. But at the same time, the employee and the managers are far more connected than they've ever been. And that, again, goes back to my experiences in sport, in high-performing teams, in the military is the thing that got a lot of people, the team itself, not an individual sport, but high performance in a team that gets people to these levels is the commitment to one another. And when you've got that, burnout doesn't not exist, but it's easier to deal with. And you can actually openly talk about it. Performance is higher, leadership's higher quality, all these things, which is what businesses are looking for in their people. Yeah, it's the it's the camaraderie aspect, isn't it? It's the exactly. It's the we're we're all in this together kind of thing, rather than yeah, I'm just a mindless drone, and so is everybody else here, and none of us are interested in each other. Which I imagine is but, probably how people feel. Sorry, you go. No, 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 but no, sorry to interrupt. But but on that point, the toughest thing though to get through to people, and this is correct because the the skeptic lot will be listening now, going, yeah, but I go to work for me, and that's true. When we go to work in the military, we go to war and there's that specific mission and objective that we're going to fight to get over and make sure that we don't get our friends killed. Mm. When we play for England, we're trying to win the World Cup. So we need to all pull together in that direction and win the World Cup together. In business, it's very difficult because people join and, and their mission isn't necessarily to stay at Pixar or continue working. Um, at Apple, you know, it might be the pinnacle in a particular role. And then one day they want to go to another business or they want to go to another team or another role somewhere else. And that's the bit we've got to get used to. But that that doesn't say that doesn't mean the camaraderie camaraderie shouldn't be there. And how it can be there is, OK, so what inspires you? Oh, I'm really into marketing and I want to achieve all these things in my career and I'm looking forward to doing it. Knowing that about someone doesn't necessarily mean that I should be worried that they might leave the organization in three Mm. or four years. I want to empower them to get the best from the skills that I can bring them. I want to leave a legacy. I want them to make their mark on this company. And yeah, sure, go and do the next thing. And the more we know about one another in that sense of what's your goldfish called or what goals are you working towards at the moment? What truly drives you? Where do you really want your career to go? And know this information about one another we will dig in a bit deeper for each other and we will fight harder for the cause. Yeah, exactly. Um, Going back to one thing you said um, at the start of that was you you were talking about, and and this is something that interests me and I find it, it's a bit of a juxtaposition within myself of 
um, a lot of the the content I put out and the, and the talking and, and stuff on the podcast, I, I'm very big on kind of work life balance. You know, it's one of the reasons I quit my job. I was like, I, I want to, I don't, I don't want someone telling me how many days of holiday I can have and where I have to be and and all that stuff. I was like, no, fuck that. You know, um, and often, and then and then I see people who perhaps I don't talk to that much, but they've seen my post online, and they almost immediately, no, not they haven't meant to do it, but they talk to me as if I I'm a bit work shy. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, no, no, no. Like I, I, w- I work bloody hard. You know, I put out, I put out a podcast a week. I run my own marketing business. I'm a commentator for one of the windsurfing tours. This is not just me listing my accolades or anything, but um, you <laughs> I've know, done mine. You got to do yours. Done, yeah, I got, I got to put mine in now. You know, but I, I, it, it's one of those things where like you and and I'm fascinated to, for for you to uh, to get your opinion on it and, and dig a bit more into it. But I, I do sometimes wonder, especially people who are perhaps a bit more. Uh, business-minded, uh, financially, or, you know, financially orientated. Your CEOs, you know, things like that. I, I do wonder if sometimes they go, all these people moaning about mental health and feeling anxious. Are, you know, in the back of their heads, they might not voice it, but I do wonder if they're sitting there going, these guys are just being lazy. They just want to sit at home and, you know, it's the old, oh, they just want to sit at home under yeah. a blanket and watch Netflix. You know, they're not actually d- depressed or anything. Um, and I wonder if 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 you can speak speak to that a little bit more because I find all that stuff fascinating I, I do wonder yeah how, how people think about that yeah I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier around um it could the pendulum could swing in the wrong direction where well-being and mental health is used as a scapegoat for yeah. underperformance and obviously the ones that are you know acutely watching the performance of the business is the senior leadership is the board members so the people watching the numbers going We've got more people off this month on sick days and look at the revenue. You know, it's very easy for them to then make an assumption. And I think it's very difficult that a lot of the CEOs I speak to now, you know, the generational shift is happening. Millennials are in, I think millennials are in near to 75% of all leadership roles now uh, across uh, the UK um, businesses and uh, Gen Z aren't coming up far behind that. And I think it's, We've got to be careful how lo- how lost we get on the Gen Z and millennials discussion because it's I don't nonsense. know. I'm a millennial and I still have ways of thinking like I'm maybe a slightly bit older. Yeah, <laughs> and something slightly more immature every now and then. But ultimately, you know, looking at it is the working world has shifted, and the people I speak to really genuinely do care a lot more about their people. No, nice. and I, I'm very much. I'm sure there's there's a part around laziness. I'm sure people will. In their right mind, they might see someone take a day off for feeling, you know, a bit unwell. And deep down, you'll go, "I'll get a grip of yourself." But yeah, I think everyone's got their opinion. It's just how it's labelled and voiced within the work working world. Is you've got to be very careful what you say and also how you support one another. But I tell you what, if you've got a good culture, you will see less less people going on sick anyway. Because most days, people go on sick so they can't be bothered. And if yeah. they can't be bothered you know there's something deeper rooted into that then oh i need to go and see the team today i love working with my team i love what we do at work and those companies see it less yeah absolutely and then also within um within uh certain you know uh businesses and, and working cultures as well you have something that i call the suffering olympics of there's always people kind of um showing off about how i suppose another word for it is hustle culture you know people showing off about how hard they worked you know for me, it was mm. my first introduction to it was as a waiter when I was 16 years old. And, you know, people would, oh, what, what time are you on till? 
And then other people, oh, well, I've, I have I only got six hours of sleep last night because I was in at five this morning. And then other people, well, mm. I will work later. And it's like people almost want recognition and, um, you know, a kind of round of applause for working too hard, you know. And then, and then you see them a, a few days later or something like that. And they're still going like that, but you can just see they're just worn down completely and they're in a bad mood. And, you know, as you said... It, I imagine they're not far off being like, fuck this, I'm going to call in sick today. And then yeah. and then, and then they call in sick, they do that, and then it resets again. And then they work really hard, and they, the suffering Olympics begins again. Who, who's, who's, who's got it worst? <laughs> you know? The suffering Olympics, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder, that. yeah. I, well, yeah, it's just, it's something that's always frustrated me. As I said, I still could picture it in my head. This uh, lady, I won't name her, but yeah, when I was a waiter, when I was 16, she did that. And that stuck in my head ever since of like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be, you know. Yeah. But equally, it's, um... yeah, it's not a working hard thing. It's like, a, I don't understand why you're, because it's clearly making them miserable, you know. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that a lot. I, I think uh, I imagine. my story's my story's harder than your story. Type yeah. Of exactly thing. and I, i've noticed it a lot in us wonderful brits I, I took a few trips to the states last year and I, I realized just how much although the states does things very differently and they have a very higher fast fire fast culture and yeah they're they're doing things in different ways that might go against the grain of us british folk but they do celebrate success and yeah. people were very much like up for seeing you be successful you know who can i introduce you to where can i help what what do you need and although that exists in the uk it's i think it's not as frequent as um what it is in the states and and we might come back on the plane and go god they're a positive bunch but we can be quite a negative bunch and i think what we seek is it's it's far more deep-rooted than i think we all want to admit that I don't not to go down the social media rabbit hole, but there's so much lack of acknowledgement, you know, of of other people. It, it, the average Joe who has 300 followers on Instagram posts and gets four likes, and then they see the people they follow get 1.5 million likes or ridiculous yeah. things like that. And we validate ourselves against what's out there as opposed to you know what's in here in our mind and in our heart and and. We're still like we don't validate ourselves against the wonderful people we live with, you know. Uh, I I think I became very at peace with who I am, which can sometimes be someone who rubs people out the wrong way, and other times be great for people. Hmm. Um, is when I had children, and when the kids came along, I was like, do you know what? I've suddenly realised I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. I'm just here to make my mark on the world and hopefully leave something great behind and mm. if i know i've left two great children behind then i've done something pretty cool and if i can leave a product like lupin behind then i've done something extra for those guys and i think that's the trouble is over here we just don't celebrate one another enough we don't go fucking you're awesome and so what we end up doing is we end up trying to build like grisly stories around how tough your life is and what you've been through and your shifts and you're working harder than everyone else. So people kind of acknowledge that and go, yeah, actually you're, you're the one out of all of us. You're the fighter. You're, you're amazing. You really dig in deep. And I think that's a very dangerous place for us to be. It, it just mm. shows how lack at peace people are with themselves. If they have to 
flaunt themselves in that way to to gain respect or be acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. You said yeah, perfectly. I I think a lot of the time as well. You know, I think it, it, you said it is a lot more deep rooted uh, than we mm. think, and a lot of the time we're very quick to just tear each other down if someone goes slightly against the grain. You know, if I told someone at the time, oh, I'm I'm going to start a podcast about mental health, I'm sure there would have been plenty of people that were like, yeah, good luck with that. Fuck yeah, fuck you doing that for? What's the point in that? You know, whereas mm. I'm sure, and and I've never been to the states, but I I've heard it a lot, and I've met a lot of Americans throughout my life, and you know, other places and things, and they are. They're, yeah, I think yeah, it's it's the whole American dream thing, isn't it? You know, they're 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 all about success and you know finding finding that dream. And um, whereas yeah. Yeah, I think I think we 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 frown we we find we're a bit more sarcastic about it, and we're like, "What are you doing that for? What are you doing?" I, I do, yeah. Just so I caveat, not offending the entire British population who listen to your podcast, I was the same, and I think we're all guilty of it. Um, yeah, we. The, the one of the biggest values I took away from the Marines was cheerfulness in the face of adversity. And actually I think Brits are quite good at doing that. We we have do have this bulldog spirit where you you'll laugh and take the piss out of it as opposed to you know acknowledging how bad it is. It. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're covered in mud and hanging out and it's all windy and wet and cold, you're like, this is sucks. Um yeah. and I learned that kind of gallows humor in the marines and and that thing's really helped me the other thing i took from the the military was was three the cheerfulness in the face of adversity one value there's eight values but that's one of them excellence was the other and excellence is a word that i live and breathe where everyone thinks we're perfect in the military it's not perfection you could think a value of perfection exists but it doesn't Perfection doesn't exist. You can't ever obtain it, but excellence mm. does. And you can continuously strive for excellence. And then the last one was humility. And it never really sort of sunk in when I was in the Marines. And actually, we even had that same kind of culture in the Marines where it was a bit, you know, my tour was harder than your tour and we had more contacts with the enemy than you did. And right. I think that's just the the natural culture. And, and you can see that in the wider, in the country. Um but humility was one I took away and really thought about because I was stepping into being a business owner. I had no, no experience of running a business or being in business. Um, I could come across from the military and go, I've been in combat for 10 years and I know military leadership and I've trained recruits and I do this and I do that and I know everything and I'm elite and this is how we do stuff. Or I could come across and go, okay, I've got all that experience but now this next chapter i've got a fucking clue about mm-hmm. so i'm going to ask people and i'm going to try and be the person in the room who has the least amount of knowledge so i can obtain knowledge for those great people in the room and then when i know everything in the room i'm going to go to the next room and so on and keep the networks in the community yeah. and that's really helped me and i i wonder where our humility is for some people where we allow ego to get in the way and um that's where we tarnish one another or we discredit or negative to one another's good work where, you know, somewhere along the line, someone would have said to your podcast oh, about mental health. I don't know. You know, there's, there's an ego there yeah. saying you can't go and start the podcast about mental health, but Sandy will. And you're humble with that to say, Oh, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And you go yeah. and do it. And now it's very successful. And I think that's something we have to all come to terms with is, Ego is something that can often very much trip us up, a bad negative part of our ego. 
Uh, and we have to be aware of that little voice in our shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've, you've led me perfectly into the last thing I want to talk about. And that was um, spe- specifically with, with men. And I think that's specifically a problem with men is that that ego thing as well, because, and, and again, so interested to hear what you have to say, you know, given that you're a, you know, ex, ex Royal Marine, but there is that kind of alpha male thing of like, mm. there's, and, and I think, I think there's a very fine line between ego and confidence. And I think confidence yeah. is a very, confidence is a very good thing. confidence is brilliant but at at the same time if you're being egotistical generally it means you're probably not very confident because you're having to shout about it you're having to shout about it um you know when when i when i sort of quit my job and things whilst i've like done some cool stuff and generally i'm like i feel like i'm a pretty cool guy i I don't necessarily like talk about it and things like that and as soon as i like what what you said and i i very much went down the same route of as soon as i quit my job and and went into you know social media and all this i'm like I mean, I know about it. I can do it, but I don't really know anyone mm. or anything like that. You know, I I didn't realize it until starting jujitsu. But I I was like, a, I was the white belt mentality of like, I'm just gonna yeah. be, a, I'm just gonna be a sponge. I'm gonna be a sponge, yeah. and I'm gonna be entirely shameless in this endeavor. And I'm just gonna email everybody and all this and try and just learn, and 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 drop the ego. But I had other aspects of my life which I knew I was good at. So there was still that little bit of confidence and still you know, going back to like your ego book, you know, every, like mm. every time, every time I went windsurfing or something and like landed a couple of good tricks, cause I've been doing it for years and I know I'm quite good at it. You know, I do that and that would just feed me a little bit. And I'd be like, cool. I've, I've got my, I still know I'm Sandy and I'm cool and I'm, you know, good at something. But then I've got this other thing that I'm trying to do. That's imp- more important that I know I'm learning. You know, and I think, mm. I think it's, it's wonderful having, you know, and I think it's important people take stock in that. And that's, that's where I think, men especially having having an interest or a sport or something that you enjoy doing that you can work on and get good at is they call it intrinsically motivating not got anything to do with your job so that even if you do change your job and you're learning something new or forging your way in a new career starting a business and you're going i've got no fucking idea what i'm doing you're like well i'm going to tennis tonight and i know i'm going to absolutely smash whoever i'm playing you know <laughs> so you, you, you get that and i think that's really healthy and i think it's especially men suffer with that obviously you know I'm co- of course women do as well but um in, in terms of like the ego side of things i think men are perhaps a bit more prone to being a bit egotistical mm-hmm. well you only have to walk into a gym you know i <laughs> i uh i i train at the local classic pure gym and i love people watching yeah i might yeah. <laughs> i must look like a nutter in the corner who's just like stood there with one dumbbell just watching people and I, I, it's it's almost like gyms are like an, the most animalistic I think we can become yeah. and ego is so present you know you've got your you'll have your big lad walk in and he'll walk over and he'll start to look in the mirror and stretch off <laughs> you're listening I know you're listening and then the next big guy will come in and he's slightly bigger and you'll see this other big lad who you thought originally was quite big just shrink a little bit and yeah. and like the eye contact and it, I just find it fascinating how we all carry ourselves within this 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 room we all work out in you know i'm i'm a goofball in the gym i just wear crap t-shirts i love wearing what i call pesty shorts which were a thing in the marines like how high can you get them before you're exposing yourself unwillingly um you know we, we wear those running shorts and and just go around and do really sort of crap workouts but i love watching what's going on in the dynamic because 
there is a lot of ego in there and it's why is it present and why is it here and why are you not just stood there in like really pesky shorts just not caring about how you look and working out and working hard but uh, that's not me moaning about it I just find it fascinating because that you see that everywhere and I believe with males especially and that's why I picked on the big guys um males especially I I've, I'm kind of kind of aware myself of this one as well when we're not very good at asking for stuff. Mm. Um, the place I really struggle to ask stuff for myself is the supermarket. Uh, and I don't know why, <laughs> you know, you've got wonderful old little lady there, you know, Sharon, who's worked there for 20 years at Tesco's and she's there to help you. Her, her shirt even says here to help. And yet as this kind of like big tattooed bald Marine, I feel really uncomfortable going up to her and going, can you show me where the puff pastry is kept? And I don't know why. It's just like this mental blocker that I can't seem to ask in that in that yeah. environment. I know for some reason, I have no idea why it's a lack of confidence. That's all it is. It's, I don't know why that lack of confidence exists. It's pretty silly, really. But for many, uh, and before I go on to that next point, that lack of confidence, what that then fuels is ego. It's like, oh, well, I'll go find the puff pastry. Yeah. I don't need to ask anyone where the puff pastry is. I'll find the puff pastry. Find it myself. Around the warehouse. Yeah, I'll get this. And that, and it's such a funny little introduction <laughs> to your own ego. Yeah. Um, but it's bigger for some people. And I think when it comes to male mental health, you know, when I had that amazing experience of going on the diary CEO, Steve, Stephen said to me when I was leaving, he said, oh, what's your favorite car? Or what would you love to be driven around in? And I was like, oh, you know, maybe one day I'd love a Range Rover. And, that, and that's changed along the way. But at the time I was like a Range Rover. And he's like, okay, I get your Range Rover. Then. He hired this, uber range rover outside and i got in it he's like enjoy the experience and i got in and like there's like little glitzy stars on the ceiling and everything's neon lit and there's champagne in the side and i just cried i actually just sat there and cried and i rang my wife and um she was like oh how was it i was like yeah i couldn't really talk to her and she was like are you okay and i was like no i think i think i've worked it out and i basically spent my teens and my 20s really struggling with who I was as a male and part of it was because of you know my dad had run away early doors and I didn't really have a male alpha figure in my life and so I craved that and I I went on the doors and then I joined the marines and I was constantly I found that male alpha male fix for someone to lead me in a way that a, a father would and when I sat with Stephen and talked about it quite openly and afterwards reflecting quite emotionally over it it was just this huge weight off my shoulders where I thought all this time I thought I was a fucking arsehole I thought I got into these fights or wanted to be in the marines to be hard to be tough and all it was was I wanted a, a a person in my life who would just direct me and show me the way and I never had it properly and when I admitted that I was just suddenly so at peace with myself, my experiences and where I was going to head next in life. Up to that point, I thought I can never let this business fail because if people see me fail, I failed and that's shit. And at that point of driving away from being on, you know, no offense, Sandy, but the biggest podcast in the UK. No, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Hitting a goal like that, I was like, I'm so fucking cool with whatever happens next. Yeah. Because all, all that matters is that I'm at peace with myself and I love my family. And everything else kind of, no matter how hard it gets, suddenly feels easier to deal with. And there's so many guys and girls, but guys I know out there, which 
could live such a much more fulfilled and purpose-led life if they just dropped it a little bit and enabled them to be them true selves. More powerful way to live your life. Yeah, and I think ultimately, first of all, con- congratulations for for finding that. That's I think it's a very rare thing. Yeah. Is is finding that? I suppose the best thing is to call it is like inner peace. You know, you found yeah. it, it, enlightenment almost. You know, of like actually, this is what I care about. This is what more importantly, this is what I don't care about. Yeah, um, and and this is this is how I how I want to do it. You know, and I yeah. think I I I'd be a liar if I said I found that. You know, I'm I'm thirty thirty one. And I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm, it goes back to everything we've said. I feel like I'm still only just getting started, you know, whether it is aspiring to be like, have a podcast like Stephen Bartlett's one day, you know, I take no offense with stuff like that. And it's, that's interesting that you said that, no, no offense. And I, I would have done the same thing if I was you, you know, and, and it, a lot of the time they say you can either be like upset about it or you can be inspired. And I, you know, I, I watch Stephen Bartlett or something like that. And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be like him. But I'd aspire to like have a certain amount of his level of success in this endeavor that I'm doing in the podcast. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a Dragon's Den. I don't want to be, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, yeah. you know. It, but it's yeah. I can either sit and choose to be. I suppose that's a certain level of inner peace I've got. Is I, I, I very quickly latched onto the comparison as a thief of joy thing. Yeah. I, I can, I can sit there and look at my mates who are doing this or doing that. And I can easily sit there and go, Oh, I'm really jealous. I wish I could do that. Or I could just be like, well, they're and equally what I realized is they're probably also looking at me and a certain aspect of my life. And they're going, oh, I wish I had that. And I'll never know because they'll never say it. I'm much like I would never say it to them, you know, but your strive, this is it as well. And, you know, I don't know why I said no offense because it's the meaningless comment. No, it's um, interesting though. It's it's not. Uh, I'm, not yeah. I'm not. It's not angry about it or anything. It's just uh, yeah. It's it's. it's I, 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 if I was you, I would have said it as well. You know, because it's yeah. It's interesting though because you you mentioned around the black belt level. Yeah. Now you've got to earn it, and actually, you know, with it, talking of podcasts, Stevens is obviously doing very well, and now he's got to earn it to stay where it is. Um, yeah. Whereas you know people like you and I were still out striving. And I think that's such a fun thing to do is, you know, learn how to strive in life instead of trying to grab at what you think you want. And I think that's just, I want you to be encouraged to be like, yeah, well, one day maybe I will be the yeah. best podcast. And everyone should have that that goal to to be the best because it brings out this striving. But it goes back to this purpose, you know, we can work and you can have your own businesses, but there's that one thing that is your purpose in life that you're striving towards making it more successful, making it better at what it does, whatever it is. And I think I, 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 I worry about a lot of people I know where I, I look at them and, and they say, Oh, you're, you're smashing it. You're out there. You're killing it. And I'm saying like, no, it's like chewing glass most of the time. And it's not, it's not enjoyable. It's hard work. It's difficult. And there's lots and lots of challenges. And then throw kids in a mortgage in and it gets harder. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say I don't enjoy it, you know. And so when people look at it and go, oh, you're smashing it, you're killing it and all that stuff. But I do want to say to them, what does that even mean? You know, it's kind of a throwaway, meaningless comment. I'm not smashing anything. What I'm doing is I'm enjoying striving in a world I've not really experienced before. And striving means... 
I'm accepting the challenges, I'm dealing with what comes and I'm enjoying the process of it all. Um, the moment I stop striving and stop feeling that, then then we've got problems and then I need to find something else to strive at. And when people say to you, you know, Sandy, your podcast is killing it, which I heard yesterday from Dan. It's like, oh, it's one of the best podcasts. It's on the rise, like striving, you know, but why do other people say you're killing it? You know, what are they not killing? What are they not enjoying? Why do they compare your journey and your success right now to killing it? And where's that, where's that individual? Where do you, and I'm not pointing out Dan because I know he's killing it, but where are those people which say you're doing so well doing it themselves? And those comments are so common with people who are successful or doing something. You hear it all the time. You're killing it. You're doing so well. Don't worry about me. What are you doing? Go and strive at something yourself so I can return the comment. Because yeah. I think that's a big worry when you hear that so often. Yeah. Yeah. You think people, it's very easy to like focus on other people's success all the time to the point yeah. where you, you never necessarily think about yourself, whether it's people that are obsessed with like, um, you see it all the time, people that are obsessed with celebrities and things like that. And of course, some people go on to start a, you know, magazine or a blog or something about what celebrities are up to and they'll do well. You know, that's cool. If that's your passion, fine, do it. But I think some people do, you know, fully latch on to getting a bit obsessed with what other people are up to that they they let 10 years go by and they sit and look at themselves and they go, oh, fuck, you know. Yeah, my final point on that is there's a great book. I referenced it in my own book because I just found it completely life-changing when I read it, is yeah. Bronnie Ware's Regrets of the Dying. And it's quite a morbid book. You know, the title is not exactly appealing. Um, but what it is, so she was a nurse in Australia and she worked in palliative care. So she would go to, she would actually go to people's houses and just be with them through their last weeks, months, years, days of until they passed. And she started journaling what she was hearing most commonly. Um, and she recorded these top five, you know, most common comments amongst people which was sort of saying their final words and one of them was i wish i let myself be happier mm -hmm. and you know we were talking earlier about hitting rock bottom i don't think there's a bigger rock bottom than being on your deathbed about to pass away you know you that's you now game over that's it but then have regrets and wish for those life-changing moments and i think there's so much we can learn from that where let yourself be happier what does that mean you know that is a mission in life for us all to explore because happy yeah. is different to your happy to my happy to someone else's happy but just to be at peace with that and i think the quicker people can get there where they care less about the opinions of others and are content with themselves and know where they're heading and why they're heading there you won't lie on that deathbed and go oh you'll lie there and go i'm pretty chuffed with uh what i gave a go and um i've left that mark on the world see you later and then I think you'll go at peace then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe I there'll mean, be less ghosts as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a pretty um, wonderful sentiment to, to round it off. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel exactly the same. You know, I've, I've seen so many of the, there's always things on Facebook of the old people, they got old people, they put, they put whiteboards in old people's homes and they wrote down like, write three things to your 25 year old self or something like that. And oh, not, not a single one of them says, make more money or do this mm. every single one of them is as you've said it's don't don't stress about the little things you know don't get pissed off if the line at mcdonald's drive-thru is too long 
don't get yeah you know don't, do you know what i mean just little things like that um yeah it's a great a great sentiment um ben where if, if people want to um you know get in touch with you follow you i know you, you've got a book you've obviously done other podcast things where where can people um where can people find you if they want to yeah get in touch or or see more of what you're up to yeah i'm most active on linkedin so find me on linkedin ben williams type in ben williams and lupin um you'll find me there you can send me an email ben at let's loop.com more than happy to receive emails and um uh, yeah, my book, Commando Mindset, is available anywhere to buy. So, yeah, you can read more about my story and my thinking within that book. And, yeah, I look forward to connecting with lots of your listeners. Brilliant. Um, yeah, guys, you can also follow me if you're new to this. I hope you're already following if you're not. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram uh, at the After Hours Lounge. If you like what I'm up to, please give it a like, give it a share. It's free to do, takes 20 seconds. Or you can give me your hard-earned cash at the link in my bio if you really like what I'm doing. Uh, it helps me put more time into putting these episodes out um, and creating all the content that you see. So I will thank you in advance for doing one of those things. Um, ben, thank you again so much for coming on. Um, and thank you guys for listening. And we will see you for the next one.